welcome back to the Photo Banter Podcast. Before we get into the Ryan Young interview, I wanted to tell you about a new image transfer tool I've been using lately called PicDrop. Uh, PicDrop's a really great tool for whenever you need to send off your files to your clients or whoever you're working with. It's really great. You can create private galleries, different folders for whatever various assignments you're working on, and your clients can actually write notes on the photos you send to them and rate them. Uh, it's just a really easy way to organize everything. Um, for me, I've been using it for a few months now and really enjoy it. Um, for years, I was just using like Dropbox and WeTransfer and things like that. But with PicDrop, it was actually designed by a photographer, so they really understand uh, what photographers need and really it's kind of with the extra mile. And with today's podcast, if you enter the promo code PHOTOBANTER, you're going to get three months free when you sign up at PicDrop.com. Um, so definitely go check it out and let me know what you guys think. And remember to enter the promo code PHOTOBANTER and you'll get three months free when you sign up at PicDrop.com. Without further ado, we'll get into the Ryan Young interview. Thanks so much. Welcome to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with photographer Ryan E. Young. Ryan has worked with clients such as ESPN, Wired Magazine, Adidas, Google, and Golf Digest, to name a few. In this interview, I speak to Ryan about his approach to marketing, working with a rep, and his experience photographing professional basketball player Clay Thompson for the cover of Slam Magazine. I also speak to Ryan about his approach to personal work and all the various uh, personal projects he's working on these days. You know, I've been a fan of Ryan's work for a while now. Um, been following him on Instagram and seeing everything he's working on. So I was really excited to get a chance to speak with him. So I hope you enjoy it. And thanks so much for listening. Yeah, Ryan Young, welcome to the podcast, man. Uh, thanks for taking the time to do this, dude. Absolutely, yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely, man. I was pumped to have you on, have another skateboarder on. Uh, I guess first question, man, how the how the Switch tray flip's coming right now? Dude, it's looking bad. So my homies and I all kind of started this thing with, like, well, tr Switch tray make because, like, half of us can't do them. <laughs> so, like, half of us were stoked because they can do, you know, they can do them really easy. But, like, the other five of us is, like, it's a real struggle. Like, it's not even fun to skate right now until I land it. That's I've been, like talking to my skateboard like happy gilmore and the, and the ball you know <laughs> just like losing my losing my mind trying to get that thing going that's funny man and i guess for you what came first like skateboarding yeah. or, or photography uh skateboarding yeah i kind of i picked that up in middle school around uh the seventh grade mm -hmm. i didn't get on the basketball team and i wasn't big enough for the football team <laughs> so i had to do something <laughs> there you go man Everyone was allowed to skateboard, so yeah, that's where I gravitated towards. That's cool, man. And I guess uh, when did kind of photography come in the mix for you? How did you kind of get into photography initially? Uh, that happened around, I think, like freshman year of high school, maybe sophomore year. I got it. Um, well, I would always like mess with the camera on family vacations and stuff, like since I was a kid. But I bought my first one right after I got my first job at mm. sixteen, like busing tables and saved up and got got the original canon rebel with the with the stock lens like i use that thing so like so much that was like all i would uh i would rock for like two years nice so straight digital from the from the jump 6.3 megapixels nice yeah that's cool man did you ever mess yeah, with that's, like that's how i started off <laughs> did you ever you ever mess with film or any like darkroom stuff or all this always digital from the get-go no yeah that's how it started and and few other camera bodies later i had that but then I, I went to school and 
um, at Art Center, they pretty much only let us use a four by five for the first year or two. And from then on, I just kept on. I mean, they had costume machines for C41 and E6 mm. in addition to the black and white. So it was kind of such a good opportunity to mess with that stuff. And pretty much all through college, I only shot film. Mm. And I don't know. I would only shoot digital if I had like sequences to shoot because that's insane <laughs> to <laughs> yeah. shoot that stuff film. No, definitely. Yeah, like, uh, was there kind of like, a, like you said, you went to a photography school. Um, was there kind of a point you kind of just kind of realized this was kind of going to be like your career path? Was there like a, what kind of made you kind of go into the photography school, I guess? Yeah, um, well, after high school, I went to community college for a few years. And I would always take photo classes, even though my art prereqs were, were taken care of. And I just kind of gravitated towards like wanting to do something with photography or, or some motion mm-hmm. work. And, uh, I looked at a few different schools. Like I went to NYU with the Cornish in Seattle, looked at Brooks and a couple of schools in the Bay area, but our art center, uh, college of design in Pasadena seemed to be the best fit for me because it was like, it wasn't a huge student body count and it wasn't like, but there were a lot of commercial opportunities too. It, it, it kind of seemed like you could do, you could go whichever way you wanted there. Um, when I, when I had a visit. So yeah, I mean, going into it, I, I kind of thought about it. Like, yeah, this is, I mean, art school is expensive. I wasn't going to go there to just play around. You know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. I was kind of taking it a little bit more serious by the time I got into school. Yeah. And, what, uh, what kind of, yeah. what kind of stuff were you photographing at that point? Like when you kind of were kind of getting into the school where you kind of like looking at your work now, it's a lot of portraits, like, uh, sports stuff. What was that always kind of stuff you're shooting or what, what kind of stuff were you working on early on? Yeah. Early on, it was like a lot of skateboarding for sure, but a lot of portrait stuff with like speed lights and very harsh lighting and like kind of just like using the skate setup on like portraits and kind of fashion stuff. Mm-hmm um just messing around and but yeah my portfolio like going into art center was crazy that thing was insane <laughs> it was all over the place <laughs> yeah everyone starts full, there. Of, full of experiments <laughs> no that's cool man so you were kind of shooting like yeah. you were doing actually like shooting action skateboarding stuff a little bit uh starting out and whatnot yeah um a few, a few things for like low card magazine that's based out of Is SF, SF. Like photographer um yeah, I kind of didn't really know how that really how that worked. Like a lot of my buddies, I learned about skate perception after everyone had pretty much stopped going on there. <laughs> like I, I would shoot my friends and like people that had like gnarly tricks, but I wasn't part of like that whole community. And and uh, I never really took it like I would be a skate photographer. I just like to do it. Um, but I, I did shoot a few things for Low Card and then for Trans World while I was going to school. Mm. Um, those are awesome opportunities and I went out with a few teams, but I think, uh, I never got super, super far into it. Yeah, no, that's cool. And when you're at school, like what, what kind of stuff now, when you're at school, what kind of stuff were you kind of focusing on? Did you kind of have a goal in mind for the type of work you wanted to do once you got out? So when I got into school, I think the first year or two, it was a lot of experimenting and a lot of different, just like four or five portraits and stuff because that's what we were using. Yeah. Mostly just like academic work I was I was doing. But then it all kind of clicked when I saw this photo of, of um, that Ed Templeton shot of this kid like with a mohawk in a court. Yeah. And it like, it clicked for me there. Like I'm from a suburban city, like a really small place. Every skateboarder knows each other. Um, and like 
in a landscape that looked like that with like well manicured lawns and like everyone's homes look the same and there's like order and structure but then you have like that other side with like these kids that just like lurk at the skate park and do things that are kind of outside of traditional sports and mm. I know that photo for me kind of like really really did it and I started to pay attention to where I came from Benicia California and I think like every opportunity I got to go home from Los Angeles, I would go there and make photos of my friends kind of in like a post high school era and kind of focused in on the scene out there more than like the tricks. And I think that for me was where things changed. No, that's cool, man. Yeah. Cause looking at your work there, it's like kind of, it looks like a cool bounce of like almost like kind of documentary style, but then like you also do like some really nice well-lit portraits um, is that kind of like what you like doing is kind of bouncing kind of almost like this kind of documentary style, but also just doing more like setup stuff. Yeah. I like to, yeah, it is a little bit of a combination of both. I think like my favorite stuff to work on is like something like, for example, right now I'm shooting drift car races in the desert mm-hmm. and that, that, assi- that whole project kind of fell onto me. Um, after a shoot I did for Nas energy drinks, I had to cast all these all these guys that worked on cars and stuff and a lot of them had drifted cars and they were telling me about this place in the desert in apple valley mm. it's a pretty it's, it feels like a backyard mini ramp but for drift cars because there's no track <laughs> marshal there's no rules um yeah they like rent out the space for whoever wants to race cars there and um those people are pretty much in charge of like all the safety requirements and stuff so i went out there and it was like golden hour it was just magical it was just like people were camping out there they're just getting it and mm-hmm. i don't know i kept on returning last year and it evolved into a more of a longer project that i'm still working on um and that consists of you know the landscapes the still life uh um portraits yeah and just kind of captured the entire scene of it and that was that your home it's called home on the grange That's what I- the project yeah and I think I, yeah. I, I think I saw on your Instagram, you ended up getting some of it published in Wired, if I, if I read correctly, right? Yeah, yeah. It. I was just in a meeting, and I actually like I pitched stuff before, like with the intent to have it, have it maybe ran or or selling it or something. But this one, I, I was just sharing my portfolio, and a few of the photo editors kind of gravitated towards it, and I started to talk about it more, and and they wanted to do something with it. And I, I mean, honestly, Wired, if I had to think, was like the ideal place for it to go mm. so that was really awesome yeah is that and something i worked with uh with fook on it nice is that something you do a lot of will, will you kind of like shoot personal projects and try to like get them published somewhere or like pitch story ideas is that something you do much of I, i've done it in the past i've done it like prior to shooting i've i've pitched stuff to wired like like defcon like the hackers convention wow um that was something that I'd heard about from another shoot and I thought maybe that'd be interesting to photograph. Uh, and so I hadn't made pictures yet, but wow, that's I pitched that as an idea and I'll do that with a few other things. Yeah. That's cool. So you pitched the DEF CON thing and you hadn't photographed it yet and they ended up hiring you to shoot that pretty much. Yeah. That's cool. So like, how yeah, do you... they were like, we have writers going out there, but we didn't really think about it being like a visual thing, you know, because it's kind of, uh, if you got to think about it, it's pretty dark in there. And I mean, the crowd consists of like some people that do hacking <laughs> to be photographed. It was definitely like, it felt like street photography, like inside a convention. It was kind of, it was very interesting, but I kind of just went for it. Mm. Had a great time. 
No, that's interesting. And like, how, how do you even approach that? Like, like pitching a story to a magazine, will you kind of like this kind of write something up? Is it just like a short email? Uh, do you kind of send them examples of what you want to do? Like, how did you kind of pitch them that idea being that you hadn't really photographed anything yet? Yeah, I, I, I wrote up a healthy email, maybe three, maybe three paragraphs long. And then I had like a couple of photos attached of like how I'd like to shoot it. Mm-hmm. And prior to that, I just photographed a car auction for Wired, like that they assigned me. And that's kind of exactly how I wanted to shoot it. Yeah. Mostly natural light and like for one flash and just move around and, and shoot details and just make sure that my caption flows tight and, uh, yeah, kind of shooting in a classic documentary way like that. No, that's smart, man. And I guess once you kind of got out of photo school, um, what was kind of your next step into the photo world? Did you just go straight into shooting? Like, did you do any assisting? What was kind of your uh, next step once you got out of school, I guess? Uh, well, while I was in school, I was, I was interning under, under Rennie Solis. Mm. Um, and I assisted, I'd been on a few of his sets. Um, I would assist here and there, but I never got super into assisting. I'm definitely not a first, like I never got to that level. I was like a, like a second solid third, yep. <laughs> but yeah, I would assist here and there. Um, and it kind of happened quick out of school. Like I, I went to, I went to New York, did the whole meeting thing out there and I met with like six magazines yep. and Bloomberg business week was the first one to give me a shot. Wow. Jamie Goldenberg sent me on this shoot and that was like that's kind of where it started for me i never even really thought of shooting for business magazines or anything yeah. but when i was out there my buddy's like you should meet with business week they like hiring you know like newer photographers younger photographers go see what's up with them and i had a meeting with them and she was like she was so rad because she kind of told me what was wrong with my book and yeah. like how the opening image was too quiet and it was weird with the rest of my stuff and i mean that was like a punch in the face because i you know, in meetings, typically they don't tell you what's wrong. They just don't call you back or they don't email you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was nice to have her actually give me some feedback. I felt deflated afterwards, but you know, a few weeks later, she was the only one to call me from that trip. Damn. And that's from that... then on, it was like shooting for a lot of different things. That was a that was awesome. She she gave me a string of assignments like towards the end of that year, mm-hmm. and uh, that's kind of how it started. In this other magazine, Wonderland. Um, from London would hire me to shoot a lot of musicians and rappers and they were, they were so rad too. But, uh, so yeah, I guess my early portfolio was like a lot of like business and tech and rappers. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's an interesting combination. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. Like as a photographer, like at least I know of myself, like you can have this idea in mind of like what you want to shoot, but then it's like, you never know what's going to kind of come your way. Like, like you said, you never thought you were going to shoot business stuff, but now you're shooting all this cool, interesting, uh, tech stuff is that kind of half the fun for you this kind of shooting all these different like subject matter and whatnot oh that's definitely the thing that keeps me going i love just getting an email and being like yeah you're gonna visit kelly slater's wave pool today in the (laughs) desert or you know something just so random that you never thought about and like it's uh i think that's when you when you work with people it's kind of just like like photography in a way is like a giant like speed dating thing like (laughs) like you (laughs) constantly have to go there and just see like who this person is, the subject is, what you can get out of them, like what, you know, what you need to do to get the job done. Um, I think that's, yeah, that excitement is going to be, that's that's my favorite part of it. Yeah, that's cool. What what was Kelly Slater's wave pool like? So I was looking at those photos on your website and it looks, so basically, it's basically like a manufactured wave that like people can surf on pretty much. Yeah, it's, 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 
the perfect wave ranging from six to eight feet. There's a hydrofoil that looks like a train yeah. that runs across, like that, that runs with the wave. Yeah. So it's not like easy to do. It's only, and it's for a very specific like group. It's not like I could just go there and pay like 20 bucks for like a day pass. Like they really just have like pro athletes that are like preparing for a competition or I don't know, some team that's going to rent it out. Damn. Very specific uh, people go there. Yeah. to surf it but yeah it's crazy it was like it was in lamore california in the middle of the desert with nothing around and then you just have this like giant pool i think it's like it's like six to eight soccer fields like big damn um yeah i, w- I was sent out there to photograph uh, the engineer behind it and a fincham yeah. and there happened to be a bunch of pro surfers there preparing for a competition so i got to do that I got to ride around on a jet ski. Like, dude, it was so fun. <laughs> I only really had to be there for like, technically, I think three hours, but I really wanted to hang out. So I just kept on, kept on shooting and finding more stuff to photograph. And it was like, there's like a zip line there. I felt like I was diminished to like a little kid. Like I was just constantly being told like, nah, you can't get on that. Or like, yeah, but, yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> I was like, all right. All right. You, didn't bring, you, didn't, you didn't bring your boogie board, Ryan? I did bring my board and I rode around <laughs> a little wave. Like they have like a little practice. Like, I don't know what to call it. It's like a little track in the back. I don't know if that warms up the surfers or what, but they had a little thing back there. Mm-hmm. I surfed a little bit, but, um, yeah, yeah. I tried to stay on task. That was one that was like, yeah, I had to really pay attention because it was really easy to drift into just being a tourist on that thing. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it you was know, fun. It was a cool assignment. You know, one thing, like, um, how do you, like, when you're shooting, like, these editorial assignments, like, I know one thing I kind of struggle with sometimes, like, how do you know, like, when you're done, like, shooting? Like, because, so, like, sometimes you could spend all day there and keep shooting and shooting and shooting. Like, is it just, like, a feeling? Like, you feel like you got it? Um, I don't know. Because it's, like, some like, I was shooting something yesterday and I was, like, I shot so much, but even even when I leave, I feel like, oh, I could, do you ever feel like I could have shot more? Like, how do you know, like, when you're done shooting, I guess? I feel like you can just, you can pick up on it. Like, if it's a portrait, like, body language and just, like, you could just tell when someone's, like, over it. Yeah. And I think, like, the more that I've shot, I just have, yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's, like, a formula for it. You just... It's like a sense. You just get a better feel for things when you've done it a little longer. Because I, I kind of think that, you know, and I early on in my assignments like i would just shoot the hell out of like a portrait like they're like yeah it's a one page we're gonna use one photo and i'm just like all right well then i'm just and then shoot way too much yeah um but now i kind of know when to cut it Mm. i just i feel it i'm like yeah it's it's done they're done (laughs) yeah no that's um that's smart yeah and like also also whatever the photo editor is asking for because some assignments do require a lot Mm -hmm. we're like yeah we want an opener and then we we have this like we want a lot of reportage images for like gallery in the back where they you know maybe they want additional stuff for web um in which case you know then you know that you have to shoot a lot more yeah but yeah and like yeah i guess assignment to assignment is different no nah, no definitely and when when you're first starting out and you're kind of getting those first assignments like how are you kind of getting your name out there where you're just doing like you said you're doing the meetings um what kind of initial things you're doing to kind of market yourself and get your work out there i guess yeah, the beginning, it was, like, I didn't even know about a ton of magazines. They were just, like, I had, like, 20 to 40, like, ideal, like, clients, like, in terms of companies and, and magazines that I wanted to work for. And I would just, like, I had agency access at the time. And, mm-hmm. and I would just, like, go out, just reach out to people through email. Like, I would send a promo out. And I sent the promo out 
send emails for meetings, go out there, try to meet with whoever I could, and then come back home, follow up. Every month or two, every month or other month, if I had some new work, I would just make like a recent work PDF and just send something a little bit more specific to to those followers I had reached out to. Mm-hmm. Whether they had responded or not, I would send them something new um, and just try to keep that cycle going. Mm. I still do that today. It's the same thing. Yeah, it's, it's it's it never it never ends, pretty much, huh? Yeah, never ends. Just keep marketing, get your name out there any way you can. Um, and you know, one thing I'm always kind of curious about because obviously you start off in photography is this kind of your love of photography and shooting photos, but then at some point you need to like make money to like pay your bills through your photography. Do you ever feel like you need to like create work to attract clients, or do you just kind of create the work you enjoy, put it out there, and hope people respond or what's kind of your approach, I guess. Yeah, sometimes for sure. I, 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 sometimes I make work that's more what you'd call like a test shoot where it is more designed to get to hook like athletic work or fitness or sports. Mm. Um, but I kind of feel like it always evolves into a project. Like I started shooting this football team and like started off thinking like, all right, it's just going to be, it's just going to be like basically a test shoot. I want to get some, new some new sports stuff for my portfolio Mm. and then it evolves into like me meeting the parents and like me wanting to like actually like dig deeper and deeper into like this uh this little subculture here and it's kind of turned into a project and i'm going to come back next year and it's like um i guess that kind of work functions in both ways where it, it can be edited into a pdf um as like kind of like a test shoot or you know it's going to evolve into something that it might turn into a zine or a little booklet or something. Yeah, because then I think you ended up doing like an advertising, you know. And then I think you ended up doing like an adver- advertising campaign for Adidas, which was like basically um, football players, which is probably similar. If you feel like kind of doing that project yourself, kind of led to these like advertising opportunities. Yeah, I, I'd say so. It, it's interesting that one. Like, so I had this whole that whole shoot with the football team and De La Salle set up, mm-hmm. but then Adidas hit me up for this internal campaign that they were doing with with their seven on seven non contact football. Yep. And I basically so I shot that before I could even get to that other work. Wow, um, it probably looked at my ballet stuff or some skateboarding stuff. Mm-hmm. I've shot a lot of basketball players too, and yeah, um, but yeah, that kind of yeah. It, that work came after the actual Interesting. job, I guess. Damn, I would, yeah, that's cool, and man. That, I would have thought and that. that camp, yeah, that was like a, a pretty much like a, a, I said that was a perfect situation. It's exactly how I shoot. They wanted it hmm. like documentary style, like minimal lighting. So I just basically had one beauty dish like moving around or a reflector or, or just natural. And I, and everyone that went in there already signed waivers. So I was able to shoot freely of like all these football players Damn. and they're high school kids, high school athletes that are probably the best ones in their school. So you know that they were hyped to be photographed. Like yeah. it was just like a really like, like shooting fish in a barrel. It was really <laughs> easy to get whatever I wanted. Tight portraits, wide portraits, like in the locker room, like heated moments. Like those are, that's the kind of stuff that I, I'm really stoked on when I have access like that. And yeah, yeah, I got, well, what is it about yeah, with that one. what is cool. it about like uh shooting sports and like everything kind of surrounding sport what is it you enjoy about shooting that stuff hmm i just i think i just grew up on it like that that's kind of like been my background like prior to skating it was always basketball football and baseball for me like watching it um i think my first interaction with with photos in general were like trading cards you yeah. know not that i shoot that style at all <laughs> but like that that's just what i would always look at and i think like 
being there with skateboarders and seeing the struggle, seeing the moments of victory and loss, like I have a pretty good intuition of like when to like fuck off and when to like go in, like when I need to like, you know, get in there and get my, mo you know, get the great shot or like back out. This dude's not feeling it or, you know, they're, they're not good. And I think like, you kind of have to have that when you're shooting live sports is like, you can't like, you know, there's like a crazy epic moment. Like you can't just like chill there and like yeah. be there too long, you know, and, like kind of consume the whole vibe um, or you'd be told to leave, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like get out of my face. And <laughs> I think like around like, like specific like groups like that, I kind of just know when, when to leave, yeah, when to get in, get uh, it quicker. Yeah. No, that's, or I do have time with this person. Yeah, no, it's smart. And, and did it kind of take you a while as, like, a photographer to kind of find, like, your voice, like, your aesthetic or style? Is that, like, even something you really spend a lot of time thinking about? Oh, yeah, I think about it all the time, especially because I like shooting a lot of different things. So I think in the beginning it was a little bit all over the place, and I just had to come to terms with, like, letting letting some work go where it's, like, it's just not, it's not, I don't know, it's not working. Mm -hmm. um, or there's just there's too much. I, listening to Dan Winter's podcast is, like, he said it pretty good about having like completed thoughts versus like all over the place. Yep. Um, so if you are to shoot a lot of things like to have it maybe sectioned off as chapters and, and think more like that instead of like, Oh, I could shoot food too. And I could shoot travel, but here's like some heavy documentary work. Like, I don't know. I, I, I've just kind of embraced like the sports lifestyle and like kind of documentary side of it mm -hmm. and of, of like photography. And that's just kind of what I'm into. And like, work that i'm actively searching but every now and then there's like an assignment that just kind of like blends both of them together like there was like the super bowl turf yeah assignment i got from espn that was probably my favorite thing that i've ever worked on because like i like working with like a lot of like uh like craft people or, or blue collar workers like yeah. and and like sports and it was just like a cool weird story that people don't think about like if these guys kill it no one even talks about them. You know, if they like make the best field ever, no one talks about it. But if they blow it, they lose their account with like that field. Yeah. Was, and everyone's talking about the game being decided by this like shitty field making company. <laughs> yeah. I was going to, so, I was going to ask you about you know, that. It's, it's a big, yeah. I was going to ask you about that project because it was, it was mm -hmm. for ESPN, the magazine, Super Bowl sod. So literally you photograph the guys that grow yeah. the actual grass that people play on. Um, yeah, like, what was kind of your approach to that assignment? Like, did they give you a lot of direction on what they wanted and how'd that kind of all come together, I guess? Yeah, so, uh, Nick sent me out there to photograph that. It was, yeah, they had a pretty good idea of what they wanted, um, but they ref the cool thing, I always love it when they reference my own work, and I, I'd shot some cowboys in North Dakota working on a farm, mm -hmm. and so there were some photos that were referenced there, um, but yeah, they, 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 they gave me the whole write-up of it. I can't remember all all the facts about it. I just know that these guys were moving 669 tons of grass, like for one game of football. Jesus. Um, there were a few specific points of when they were rolling the field that they were like, we definitely want that. We want a wide shot. They had an idea of like wide shots they wanted with like person in landscape mm. type things. Uh, but it was pretty open actually. And there were a few steps to it that, uh, that kind of came up while I was shooting, like packaging it and transporting it was also something that we hadn't really talked about photographing that, but I thought it would be really cool to like have that part as well. Mm. Um, 
and then we went to the stadium and saw it installed. So yeah, in a, in a, in a week, I saw these guys like harvest, uh, transport and install 669 tons of, of grass for one game of football. And the crazy thing is that was in 2016 when we were in the middle of our like crazy drought in California. Yep. So we have like, you know, almond farmers like trying to defend their right to grow almonds, but then we have this like giant spectacle that requires a brand new field <laughs> that took eighteen months to grow. Jesus, <laughs> hey. I mean, it's just it's just there's so much weird surrounding that whole story, but I love it and it was super colorful. Yeah, there were a lot of subjects that were down to be photographed and down re, down to redo their process if I wanted to shoot it differently. It was awesome. Like, if I could only shoot stuff like that from now on, I'd be psyched. <laughs> yeah, because with that project, how many days, was it just a one-day shoot or, like, a few days you were shooting that project, or how did that kind of work? No, I was out I was out there for three days, I believe, and then I shot one day in San Francisco, or not, Santa Clara. It's pretty okay. far from San Francisco, but that's the 49ers stadium. Damn. That's that's pretty good because yeah, edit, so edit, editorial four days yeah editorial these days you usually don't get that much time to so to get four days to spend on one one assignment that's pretty amazing. Oh yeah, no, that was that was the cool part, and it was like four days that were spread across like a week because I think like mm. yeah, there was like a day or two gap from the farm to San Francisco. They ended up making like a web video out of it. Like I shot enough to where they were we had enough content to make this like. Uh, yeah, a video out of out of all the photos, which is cool. That's amazing. And like prior to that, we added on later. Nice. And prior to that, were you like actively like marketing yourself to ESP in the magazine? Was that like kind of the first time you had worked with them, or? No, I shot for them one time. Yeah, I was always marketing to them. That was that's that. So the two two of my favorite magazines went down this year, which is super like a big bummer. Like Transworld mm-hmm. and and ESPN, those both happened to have folded up their print side of things. Yeah. Um, so I was always marketing to them. I loved it. It's just like a, a larger magazine than the rest. And yeah, I don't know. I'm a sports nerd, so <laughs> I was always into like trying to shoot for ESPN. Yeah. And I got my first shot in I think Christmas of 2015 mm. when I shot Raiders fans. Like wow. they, they do this whole thing of grid of portraits. Um, so yeah, I was able to get on the field, get on a football field for the first time, and shoot that that awesome fan base that. Uh, Oakland has, yeah, yeah. It's it'll be it'll be interesting. ESPN the magazine closed, but I think they're still going to be producing a lot of good photography. I feel like for the for the website, and they're going to do some special issues. Um, because what I read, I think they're still going to be publishing the body issue every year. They're going to print it. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. You know? Yeah, for sure. I know they have a solid team there, and their website looks looks great. They're always going to need content, so. Mm-hmm. we'll see where it goes i just maybe i'm a little bit old school i just love print <laughs> no, me too man i like picking it up and seeing it and flipping the pages um you know another magazine it seems like you do a good amount of work for it, a slam magazine and you did one really cool assignment i think it, you you photographed like the uh lavar ball and was it mellow uh, basically at their house. Yeah. Um, how was how that assignment? Because it was like, if I looked at the picture, I think it was like a gold Mercedes, and they, they just seemed like such characters, like the, the big... Oh, ball, my God. The big baller brand. What was kind of your experience working on that shoot? The Slam is best. They remind me of like a skate mag in a way. They're so just like, like they'll come up with ideas on the set that are like a little bit out there, and like they're just so DIY and rad. I love them. Um, but, uh, yeah, I got, that was my first assignment 
shooting wow. for them. That's a good uh, one. And that was an, a very interesting one because, like, <laughs> yeah, that was see, that's a great example of just like kind of things falling into your lap unexpectedly and then having to kind of just put your photographer hat on and go for it. And because mm. I, I mean, obviously, wasn't like like with like a lot of people a little bit uh, annoyed. With, with the ball family like <laughs> just like just saying crazy stuff and like in my opinion like you know like a donald trump way of like yeah. <laughs> just like using social media and like to your advantage like it, it kind of it was weird but i mean when i got there it was like i mean slams also like a little bit like they're promoting the brand in a way so they were really nice to us yeah. they gave me a lot of time um Lavar was cool. Like all their people were, were nice. Mello was so shy. I don't think he's that shy anymore, but like he yeah. was very shy. He didn't even know how to stand. He was so awkward and like, it's <laughs> a little kid, a little bit. I mean, he's bigger than me, but he was still a little kid. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that was, that was a very interesting one. And yeah, that, those cars showed up. Some dude was selling, it was, uh, I think that was Mello's first, not the gold Mercedes, but there was a Ferrari that he got. Damn. Yeah, delivered to the house, and then the that guy had a gold Mercedes, and like Lavar was like chilling around there, and he was like he just kind of like I don't know, being funny and playing with the car, and I was like, dude, can you hop in real quick? And it kind of just like the gold bling just kind of like <laughs> fit his like his personality so well. It was like very loud, yeah, and like in a way obnoxious. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a, it was and it was just I don't know, it was kind of perfect. I, I loved it, yeah, because there's such big personalities. Um, you know, and with like editorial assignments like that, do you kind of go in with like an idea of what you want and kind of stick to a plan or you kind of like show up and kind of let things evolve organically or what's kind of your approach generally with these assignments you think? Show up and let things evolve organically for sure. That's the one where I think in the beginning I was trying to like hold on to like being able to do both, but I've, as more of, as I've, you know, just gone a little further into my career now, like. I, I just, I love to embrace spontaneity. I like that stuff yep. in somewhat of a controlled manner, you know, like I want designated time at a certain place, um, maybe some help on set. But like, for the most part, I, I want to like make really solid pictures of what is actually happening. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't plan for the gold Mercedes to show up, but like, yes, I'm prepared <laughs> to shoot it. I have quick lighting that's moving around fast and, <laughs> I'm ready for anything. <laughs> I like it, man. Ryan, Ryan's ready for the golden Mercedes. Uh, that's awesome. No, that's smart. I'm ready for the golden Mercedes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, yeah. l- looking at your, your website, like, obviously, you do all this cool editorial stuff for, like, ESPN, Wired, and a bunch of other people. But then you also shoot, like, advertising campaigns for, like, Adidas and Modelo Beer, uh, I think Google. Um, do you feel like it, when you're shooting these advertising things where it's a lot more people involved, I would imagine – um, do you feel like there's like a different approach to work shooting these assignments for editorial or is it all kind of the same workflow for you or what's kind of your, your experience, I guess? Um, some, some that are like that, like I, like the Adidas stuff with the seven on seven football, it, it felt very editorial with like how I, how I could move around, how there was no shot list. I mean, it was pretty open that I, I had like a PDF of like color treatment and like the types of stuff that they wanted to get. But I had two days of shooting details and things and it was really loose. Like I had an art director checking in every now and then of like what was going on Mm -hmm. and how it was looking. Um, But it wasn't like 
someone on me all the time. Yeah. But then there's other shoots where it's like, it's very structured. There's like 30 looks that need to be accomplished over two days. And like, uh, I have to pace that out differently and I have to know when to stop shooting that so we can move on. Mm-hmm. And I have to kind of set up certain looks to be, you know, finished around a certain time yeah. and it's way more structured. Um, so yeah, it's some are and some aren't. And some of those are, you know, like the Modelo stuff, it's like, I'm shooting alongside broadcast and mm. then I have like 10 minutes with the subject mm. yeah, get in there, do it yeah, <laughs> and then out. So that's a different workflow as well. That's a lot more, I feel like of communicating. Cause I mean, that set had like, you know, 40, 50 people on there. Damn. And if you're not, uh, if you're not like giving, you know, the AD like a heads up and, and, and making sure that it's known near the stills dude, it's really easy to just get lost on those sets and like, you just don't get what you need. And then, they've already wrapped and on a set like that it's not like editorial where you can like uh oh actually no let's go do this it's like dude all those dudes shut down the 5ks like they're moving their cords like (laughs) everything's completely gone and you know our art department's tearing down the set and stuff before you can even blink because you know those guys don't want 40 to 50 people having to pay out like overtime so they got to go so it's a yeah it's a different much different flow um and you have to kind of think ahead a little bit more i think on that stuff yeah did kind of take you a while to kind of get comfortable managing like those bigger shoots where like you said like some of them where there's a lot more people uh you might be managing more assistance there's obviously more money on the line um did it kind of take you a while to get comfortable managing all that kind of goes into those bigger productions oh yeah absolutely i I think there's more like i had to learn that like i'm not i didn't really learn how I'm not, it's not my personality to be like the, the alpha one on set and being like mm-hmm. having to delegate orders to everyone. Yep. But like on something like that and you're working with a few assistants, you have to use your people. Like I'm pretty hands-on like on editorial stuff. Like I just intuitively grab my own stuff and move it. I think it might be like the fence hopping skateboarder <laughs> in me that just like wants to accomplish the photo getting lit a certain way and done now. And like, but like on those ones, I have to really slow down and communicate to the Digitech and communicate to first assistant, second assistant, help me out on this, that, and the other, um, so that I'm not running around like a crazy person with the client looking at me sweating, like, <laughs> what's up with this dude? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? No, it's a <laughs> lot. To, had, had, had to learn that for sure. No, that's cool. And, you know, I look at your website, you have a rep. I was kind of curious, like, when did you kind of know uh, you wanted to team up with a rep to work with, and how did you know they are kind of the right fit for you, and what do they kind of bring to the table for you, I guess? Uh, well, Red Eye's my second rep. I had I had first one with Sophie Howard at Commune Images, and that kind of happened pretty quickly uh, out of school. I kind of would just send stuff to her as if she was, like, a photo editor early on, mm-hmm. I think. You know, and like it just kind of like she would put me up for a few jobs here and there, and and send me on meetings, and like eventually it evolved in us like signing. She retired, and then I had, and then I at that point I'd mostly only worked with an agent mm. starting out, so uh, I had reached out to a few agents, and Red Eye seemed to be the one that clicked. They were always like we were we were going back and forth with portfolio edits a lot. We agreed creatively on a lot of different things, and I liked. I mean, Corey Arnold was my, like one of my favorite photographers in school. And I, I generally like to gravitate towards agents that have good photographers, you know, yeah. people that I can relate to and mm. get my work fits with. Yeah. Um, and eventually signed. I, I don't know. I could have been a little busier. I think when I signed with agents, like yeah. I think I signed a little early, mm. but 
um, eventually it just got to the point where work was coming in and it fit, but, yeah. yeah. um, I don't really know how that generally is, how that goes with other people, but that's, that was how mine happened. And I guess working with a rep, what, what are you hoping they're going to bring to the table for you? This kind of help market your work pretty much, or I guess when you're teaming up with them, obviously you're giving them a percentage of, uh, of, of your, of your money you're earning. What are you hoping they're going to do for you? I guess what, what's kind of the goal? Yeah, to market my work in, in a way that, that I, I see fit. I think, like, you know, you don't want an agent to only be, like, a studio manager, like, handling handling your estimates and stuff. You want them to actually be putting it out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's up to me to feed that, you know? I, it's always up to me. I like to go into it thinking that it's all up to me, and then they're going to enhance it, like, whatever I have already going, rather than, like, expecting them to do everything for me. I think that's why uh, signing with Red Eye was, like, like Marin had seen that in me that I understand like the expectations of like the photographer agent thing, because I think a lot of people, I get it in through my DMS a lot are like, how do you get an agent? And then I look at like, you know, their website or their, and they hardly have any published work. And I'm just like, you know, an agent's not going to really want to work with someone like no matter how good your work is. Like if you, if you look like you're going to them to get you all the work. Yeah. Um, I, ha- I go into it just like assuming that I got to hit meetings. I got to make, personal projects um and i have to constantly be sending pdfs out so i guess like what i can expect is to make work give it to my agent and have her push it out to all the right people and Mm. to understand what my goals are and who i want to work with and constantly be knocking on doors like i don't need to be um like winning winning jobs every week to be happy with my agent but if we're off if we're constantly knocking on doors and like constantly like Making sending it. stuff out that's when i'm happy yeah no it's smart I, I yeah don't... like hey make make this pdf like where <laughs> i just spoke to so-and-so at nike like mm-hmm. can you send me something to send to her like that makes me so happy that you know that's us doing our job right there yeah man it's like a it's like a team it's like another arm to the marketing uh beast you know just another just, yeah another, another way to get your stuff mm-hmm. out there and you know, back to like the editorial stuff, you've done some like cool like covers for like Slam and uh, I think Bicycling Magazine. You did a cool one a few months back. Um, when you work on like a cover, do you feel like any more pressure than a normal like editorial feature or anything like that? Or how do you kind of approach those cover shoots, I guess? Yeah, I, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I didn't really have more pressure on me because it was a cover. I think it was more, my first cover was Clay at Slam. I think the most pressure on me was that I watched this dude three three days a week. Like, I'm a huge Warriors fan. <laughs> and now I got to, like, shoot this guy in his home. Like, I was, like, I got, that was my first cover. And I was, like, I was kind of shook, to be honest. I was, like, I was like holy shit, you know? Like, are you serious? Like, Clay Thompson yep. at his home? Yeah, let's do this. And, like, <laughs> they had a general idea of what they wanted. Um, I think it was, like, a, a cover I don't, I don't remember what the reference photo exactly was from, but mm-hmm. they wanted like the semi style lawn chair and like everything was going to work out. But the lawn chair, that was the hardest part was finding that style of lawn chair that didn't look like a little kid's chair on clay, yeah. uh, which is very difficult because they're all usually really small in that, in that style. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and like, like I said, with slam, they're so DIY that they're just like, okay, here's the budget, go do it. Yeah. You know, like, and, I pretty much just did it myself. <laughs> yep. Whereas like some, you know, you'd have art department on, you'd have like, mm-hmm. 
uh, more thorough sketch of what was happening, but I just, you know, I love their style and they're, they're kind of like the Bible for basketball, you know, in a way like there's like, like Hooper's love that magazine. So yeah. Clay pretty much just trusted us to do whatever we wanted to do. Um, and we had two hours with him. I found the chair. It was at Walmart. <laughs> I went to like three like rental houses and they didn't have the right one. And I went to like REI, Target, like all these places. And like Walmart, baby. Walmart has the big lawn chairs. So. Hey, there yeah. Go. Yeah. Walmart for the wind. <laughs> no, that was cool, man. Yeah. Like, he so, was, he was uh, with that one. He was pretty easy to deal with. What's up? Uh, Clay was pretty easy to deal with shooting him. He was exact. The cool thing, man, the cool thing is, is he's exactly how I expected him to be. Like he was like, confidently apathetic like he wasn't like <laughs> you know trying to impress us but he wasn't like too much of a cool guy either he was just like all right fellas what are we doing what are we doing mm -hmm. want me to sit here all right cool like yeah. really whatever about it and like had a good heart to heart with him about like old like golden state basketball like stories and stuff and because i've been a fan since they you know before the tickets were like 200 bucks for nosebleeds you know it was like yeah but i i, I went through some like dark days with the warriors and <laughs> <laughs> he you know he knows the history very well so we had like a good good little conversation there that doesn't always happen you know i'm like on celebrity shoots but mm. he was chill he was super chill rocco unfortunately wasn't there i did get to meet his brother nice. um and he lives a few doors down from sean livingston like i'm, I'm a huge fan of him too Damn. but uh yeah, that was a cool shoot. He he had a great backyard for it. It was it worked out well. Um, but like I said, that was a loose sketch, and, and there was like a lot of room for interpretation for me to move around with. And yeah, that was that was how that cover went. And then with like Bicycling Magazine, uh, Amy Wolf had a pretty good idea of of, of that it was going to be kind of like a tighter portrait, but not not super composed in weight. Um, yeah. Bicycling magazine's been so rad since so she's taken over. It's like the whole like redesign of the magazine feels like more more documentary mm -hmm. a, a little bit and and like less like stagey and like like the kind of subjects that they use are, are aren't so like perfect. The stories they're telling are a little bit more interesting. Yeah. I, I love like where they're going with it. She hit me up for that and but it was pretty open too. I spent all day with that bicyclist who had some crazy head injuries and uh, it was kind of a nice comeback story for her uh and i got to shoot her up by sebastopol mm. in northern california allergies were going nuts that day but um yeah she managed to spend the whole day with me damn shooting that stuff That's, and uh yeah no it came it came yeah out, it came out great you got a lot of cool stuff up there that's pretty amazing. Anytime you can get someone to spend a whole day with you, that's, that's pretty amazing. You're going to get a lot of good stuff just if you have time. Because, like, I mean, how do you approach those shoots where you don't have a lot of time? Do you just kind of just go in with one idea and try to, like, just nail that one thing or try to get as much as you can? Like, because obviously you're not always going to get a ton of time. How do you kind of deal with those shoots where you don't get as much time, I guess? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, yeah on stuff with like celebrities where i know like they're like you have an hour like i'm there like ahead of time obviously like maybe two hours ahead and i want to set up like two to three options mm -hmm. uh, whether that be natural light or or lit stuff just ready for them to walk through they'll yeah. say an hour i'm gonna assume i have 15 minutes yeah maybe less um and just have them have them cruise through there if it's if it's more of like a portrait setup like somewhere you know yeah um, that's i've had some crazy shoots where it's like 
I just had to like run with it. Like Snoop Dogg, I shot Snoop Dogg for the Wall Street Journal magazine and we were pretty much treated like paparazzi the whole day. Oh, I get really? there. I was supposed to have like breakfast with his family and like make all these like cool portraits of him out there. And then it just got like turned into, okay, like I'm only going to be using a 70 to 200 lens and trying to snipe him from far away. We don't uh. have access here. But then I got five minutes. Like, yeah, exactly. I'm like, this sucks, but yeah. you got to go with it. And yeah it's pretty much just PR that overbooked, mm-hmm. uh, you know, his media for the day. Yeah. So I guess that's kind of, I the f- got five minutes yeah. backstage with him and yeah, that was it. No, that's like, I guess that's the fun thing about the fun thing and challenging thing about editorials. Like, like you said, like you can show up and have all his ideas in mind, but then it can, it can change quickly. And then that's when that's, that's when the pro photographer comes out and you just got to like work with what you got and make something happen. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you just gotta, you gotta roll with it. I think like, I mean, I served tables for like five years and like for shooting freelance photography feels so similar when like just shit hits the fan and you have to go for it <laughs> and just feel it out. Like make it work, you know, make, make it, make it happen. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And you know, one thing obviously, as you know, photography is such a competitive business. There's so many people that want to do it and how do you kind of deal with the ups and downs of this business? Cause like you could have months where you're busy months where you're slow. How do you kind of utilize any time where you might not have any shoots booked? What are you kind of doing during those downtime? Not so much that they're downtimes, but obviously, you know, sometimes you're slow. How do you kind of utilize that time? So, I mean that my internship with Randy really helped out with situations like that because the whole time I interned with him for three months, he didn't work a single job. Like, he kills it. He does like a lot of like big ad campaigns. He's a super successful photographer. Um, but he never got, he never got bummed and emo and weird. Like he just like kept it moving. You know, he made a promo, he sent stuff out, he kept doing test shoots. And like, I think that's the side of it that we're a freelance career for anything, whether you're photo or whether you just, you do freelance for whatever industry is like, what are you doing when you're not, doing the actual job yeah. because I think like there's a certain point where we all know how to accomplish the f- photography aspect of it. You know how to do an assignment, you know how to turn in low res and then wait to respond to high res orders. That whole jam is easy, but like to generate work out of nothing is, it's, it's challenging like emotionally and just like logistically, how does it happen out of nowhere? Um, and for me, I think the thing that keeps me sane is like working on personal stuff, whether that be a long-term project or just a portrait of someone cool in my neighborhood or, or whatever. It's like, we, we got into this for a reason, right? Like mm-hmm. make the work if you, to get work, push yep. your photography, push your craft, like always be, always be making something. So if you are slow, make something that's going to appeal to a client and just for your soul, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I know like when I left, like I, I was going into a career that was pretty, competitive a lot of people wanted to do it and i had no idea if it was going to sink or swim you know if i was going to sink or swim with with this but i I did know for sure that i would always be shooting you know if i went back to serving tables it'd probably be a project on the restaurant industry if i went into construction like i'd be photographing the people around me like Mm -hmm. just stay curious and doing all that i think is is uh is the best thing because people gravitate towards that in this industry when they can tell that you're authentic and you're you're about it you're about something they're gonna want to hire you for it Mm -hmm. and it's kind of just always been that way and 
Yeah, man, yeah. that's that's good advice. It's still going. <laughs> yeah, that's good, man. And uh, like you're kind of talking about the personal projects. How do those usually kind of pop up for you? Are you like searching them out, or is it just kind of usually just kind of pop up uh, naturally? Or uh, how do the personal projects usually come about for you? I guess. Yeah, uh, sometimes like the drifting series that I've been doing in the desert that came like after an ad shoot, like you know, because I did all the casting. I found all these guys through social media and like on set they were telling me about this like this thing they do where they rent out this like it's technically it's like a go-kart track so it's a really small short technical track yeah in the desert and like i heard about what that was and i was curious mm. and so i guess just natural curiosity with like what's going through my life whether that be family whether that i shot a friend my friend build his own home and that's been like a four or five year project now wow uh, where he just like lived on site in a camper with his family and he built this thing from the ground up from cement like all the way to the structure i would go there to help him but i would also go there to photograph the process of doing it i don't know i mean he's the only person that i know that's built his own home so that's, um that's and without like tons of contractors you know he yeah that's uh i think it's on your he website built it it's with called, like is was it called saturdays with trev um yeah that's something that i just kind of I'd never met, you know, I don't know anyone that's ever built their own home. So to, and I didn't know it was going to take that long. Um, but he worked five days a week on other people's homes and then he would work the weekends on his own home. Um, and it wasn't with like, he didn't have like a ton of money to hire out contract labor. Like it was all like him and like his coworkers and he would buy them like sandwiches and beer or whatever, like yeah. just have them over and like evolved in this beautiful home. Like I'm going to go back and photograph it. Mm -hmm. Uh, during like the holidays because yep. I just, I want to see all that decor and everything. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was awesome. It was an awesome process to see. And, and so the story can be something small as that, um, yeah. or just whatever. I, I don't know, uh, whatever kind of just comes up in my life that I'm interested in. That's uh, smart. I, my, kinda, my favorite photo, like my mom, just my mom, my mom, what were we saying? I was going to say, uh, my favorite photo in that Bye. series was the guy, <laughs> it's all right, is the guy, your buddy Trev, he's got a Christmas tree in the house when it's still just like plywood and like beams, but he's got his Christmas tree lit up. That was like my favorite photo in the series. Ah, thank you. Yeah, that was exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> we had some lawn chairs inside and <laughs> you got that going. Yeah. Oh, it's so sick. I love that. Um, but I think you, you, were, gonna, um, you were mentioning something. Thing yeah. About whatever, whatever comes up. Yeah. No, nah, smart man. And I yeah, guess... my mom. My mom just retired, so I, so I'm kind of interested in like making portraits of her and seeing like what her day to day looks like in suburbia. So, um, that's kind of like right now, like what's in the ether and like what's in my head, what I want to like kind of pick at. Yeah. Um, I like it, man. You're a photo junkie, man. You just want to yeah. keep shooting, keep shooting. I feel the same way, man. It's just like you need the photos to breathe, almost. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess you, you're from. Where are you from again? I, I, I live in uh, the kind of Bo uh, Boston area. It's like uh, ah, so yeah. you know Tony. Hey, well, you obviously know Tony. You, you interviewed him. Oh hell yeah, man! Tony's Tony's the man. Cool. He, he's an amazing photographer. Yeah, Tony's rad. Um, but I guess to wrap up, man, you've been doing this for a while. Um, like you said, it's real competitive. What kind of keeps you going? What kind of keeps you inspired to keep working in this uh, crazy business of uh, commercial and editorial photography? And uh, I guess any goals for the future? I guess. Ooh, um, what keeps me going? I think I'm just still curious about, there's just so much that I haven't photographed yet that I'm interested in. I mean, the camera is like such a, it's such a luxury. It's a vehicle into every 
like so many different worlds that um, I think I'm just staying curious. Yeah. For me, that's the thing that's keeping me going. And I think the goal is to just keep doing this. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have a specific goal right now. I think like I just want to keep making pictures, you know, and oh. hopefully getting paid for it. I like it. I like it, man. <laughs> keep, keep it simple. And then, and also, and and. You know, landing a switch tray. I'm gonna go do that <laughs> right after this call. I think that's the. Nah, man. That's, that's my immediate goal. <laughs> nah, that's cool. And uh, yeah, I appreciate it, man. And I guess for <laughs> for people listening, where's the best place to check out your work? Uh, my website at ryaneyoung.com, mm-hmm. um, and my Instagram is at ryaneyoung. So yeah, I guess my Instagram is now my website. Yeah. These days, <laughs> yeah. but uh, um, I like to curate my website. It's a little more custom. You know? Yeah, no, I like it, man. Well, uh, Ryan, I can't thank you enough for doing this, man, and uh, thanks so much. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Hope you enjoyed it. I actually want to tell you about a new image transfer tool I've been using lately called PicDrop. PicDrop's a really great tool for whenever you need to send off your files to your clients or whoever you're working with. It's really great. You can create private galleries, different folders for whatever various assignments you're working on. And your clients can actually write notes on the photos you sent to them and rate them. Um, It's just a really easy way to organize all your files and keep them in one spot for whenever you need to send them off to your clients. I've been using it for a few months now and really enjoy it. Um, It was actually designed by photographers so they really understand what you need. You know, for years I was using like WeTransfer and Dropbox and things like that. But with PicDrop, they really went the extra mile and created a great tool for whenever you need to send off your files. I can't say enough about it. And with today's uh, episode, if you enter the promo code PHOTOBANTER, you're going to get three months free when you sign up at PickDrop.com. Um, so definitely go check it out and let me know what you guys think. Like I said, I've really been enjoying it. And remember to enter the promo code PHOTOBANTER, and you'll get three months free when you sign up at PickDrop.com. And also, I've got to give a big thank you to our guest, Ryan Young. Uh, real pleasure talking to him. Like I said, I've been a big fan of his work for years. Um, so definitely go check out Ryan's website at ryaneyoung.com, as well as his Instagram, at ryaneyoung. Lots of cool work up there. Um, he's always updating and whatnot. And as always, I'll be having weekly podcasts every Monday on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, as well as my website, alexgagnephoto.com, and on my Instagram, at alexgagnephoto. Thanks so much for listening, and take care.